Hey friends, and welcome to episode 23 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and if you tuned in to episode 22 featuring Sarah Joy Hayes, an amazing baker, business owner, Disney vacay planner, mom, and so much more, and you stuck around to the end, you might have heard me talk about what to expect in this week's episode episode 23. I'd planned to devote an episode to sharing the three roles we all play in work and life and how you can make sure to spend time being the visionary of your life. I hope you don't mind, but with everything going on in the world right now, I've decided to pivot and use today's episode to host the very first Ask Anna episode. In the last few weeks, I've gotten a lot of questions from friends, clients, Instagram buddies, business owners, men, women, college students, parents, empty nesters, and friends who have been laid off due to budget cuts. Basically, people from all walks of life. So today, I've taken the seven most common questions that have come my way, and I'm answering them right here for you guys. Questions about how to stay motivated when you just want to lay on the sofa and binge watch Netflix. What to do with all of those plans you made and the goals you were so excited about. What even is decision fatigue and what to do about it. Also, questions about how to take work from home breaks without feeling guilty and how to deal with life and work boundaries getting super blurry or basically non-existent. Plus, how to deal with an abundance of time without getting bored, and how to deal with having less time than ever without breaking down. If you're multitasking right now, folding laundry or getting some sunshine on a neighborhood walk, it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes. But don't worry, you know I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes, each question and answer, plus links to any resources mentioned. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 23. If you, like so many others right now, are struggling with time management during this weird twilight zone we're living in, I've created a mini guide to navigating your time, figuring out priorities, and taking care of yourself. It's called Do the Most Important Thing time management for tough times, and it might be one of my favorite mini guides I've ever created. In it, you'll find six steps to getting on track and creating some realistic expectations for your day-to-day. No overwhelm or frustration required. I've also included my favorite tool for figuring out what to do next, and it makes prioritizing really easy. Finally, because it's so, so important that we take care of ourselves, especially during stressful times like this, you'll find a six-minute personal development routine that even the most time-stretched of us can do to fill our cups so we can overflow into others. Grab your copy of Time Management for Tough Times by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 23. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes and surprise bonus episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. 
your reviews play a really big role in helping others find it's about time in the search results. And you just might get a shout out in a future episode like this one from Heath. And that's Heath with an exclamation point. So I feel like I should say it. Heath. Heath was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review in iTunes for It's About Time. Heath writes, amazing, life-changing. This podcast has launched at just the right time for me. I don't run my days. My days run me. Anna's podcast is a lifesaver. I want to get more done and have more time for the things I love and reach goals that have been sidelined for too long. This podcast has amazing advice and tools that I can apply to every aspect of my life. Do yourself a favor and subscribe to this. Anna is a time management whiz kid, and I'm convinced she's the most efficient human being ever created. Okay, Heath. You are the best. Like, first of all, thank you for cheering me on and for being a listener. I'm so grateful for you. I don't know if I'm the most efficient human being ever created. Um, Even I can get lost in an Instagram scroll from time to time. But I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard so far and that you're making progress on those goals that have been sidelined. Thank you again for listening. All right, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Two weeks ago, I published episode 21 of It's About Time, and it was all about how to find your footing after a priority shift. It was inspired by the movie Frozen 2 and how to use your personal core values to figure out the next right thing to do in a weird situation. I absolutely loved crafting that episode, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, you'll definitely want to check it out. So when that episode went live, I think a lot of us expected a much shorter period of time staying at home. We knew we'd have to hit pause on some things, like classes, work projects, business launches, anniversary trips, birthday parties, and so on. And now, two weeks later, we all have a slightly different expectation, and we're now a few weeks into doing practically everything, work, exercise, socializing, virtually, of course, homeschooling, childcare, grocery shopping, using Shipt or Instacart for delivery, and so much more. Our homes have become the hub of our entire life. In my part of the country, South Louisiana, we've been blessed with lots of sunshine. So we've, and by we, I mean my 14-month-old Millie and I, have spent a lot of time outdoors. But cabin fever is still very much a thing. Being in constant close quarters with our children, spouses, partners, it can be a little much. And there are countless memes about drinking wine at 8 a.m. to prove it. And then if you or someone you love is in the medical field or another essential industry, 
then you're experiencing the front lines of the fight against the novel coronavirus and COVID-19 up close and personal. And it's a lot to deal with. Physically, because you might be braving long hours in difficult environments, or you're at home trying to keep the ship afloat while your partner is largely unavailable. It's exhausting. That's been my reality. I've barely seen my husband, Scott, since the beginning of March. And on top of the work, it's a lot to deal with mentally. You're either running on adrenaline, worry, fear, sadness, or a combination of any of those at any given moment. And if you're listening and you've lost someone you know and love to the virus, please know that my heart goes out to you and your family. These are such difficult times. And I hope you know that you're not alone in this, even though we're far apart. As I mentioned in the intro, I've gotten a lot of questions about the different aspects of this new life in the time of coronavirus. Friends who are working from home for the first time, parents who are homeschooling while working. And in response, I created two bonus episodes, one all about the basics of remote work featuring Krista Hutchins and another showcasing the expertise of a longtime homeschooler and founder of NOLA Homeschoolers, Ty Salvant. If you're in either of those situations, you'll want to check those out. But once you get past the basics of remote work and homeschooling, new next-level questions pop up. So let's dive right in. First question. How do I get motivated or stay motivated when I don't feel like doing anything? So this is such a great question. Motivation or self-starting is tough, especially when we can't exactly see what it is we're working toward, or we don't see any kind of end in sight. Kind of taking it back to episode 21 about doing the next right thing. In Frozen 2, the Troll King tells Anna that he sees no future for their kingdom, Arendelle, and that when one can see no future, one must do the next right thing. But beyond doing the next right thing, my top recommendation for finding your motivation when you're just not feeling it is to reconnect with your why or your purpose for doing whatever it is that you're doing. Your why is your fire to get you started and it's the fuel to keep you going. If you're in college right now, Trudging through classwork remotely and missing out on all of the typical spring campus traditions, zoom out and think about the big picture. Why are you working toward a degree? What will that do for you? What opportunities will that create for you? If your days are filled with Zoom meetings, reports, and whatever else you do at your day job, Take a sec before you try to push through and take a quick inventory of why you accepted the job in the first place. Now, maybe you don't love your job and that's something you've really realized in the last two weeks. And if that's the case, what does having a job give you? Is it funding your dream of opening your own business? Is it helping you save for your next big vacation? Does it enable you to provide for your children's education? If you're struggling really hard with motivation and tapping into that why, that purpose, 
I would seriously recommend creating a vision board or finding a single image that represents your why. And when you're feeling low, take a look at it. Reconnect with why you do what you do and try to get after it. So this is a really good segue to the next question, which is, I feel like I'm supposed to be productive all the time now that work and home all blend together. Like I'm supposed to be always on and ready to respond at a moment's notice. I'm exhausted and always on edge. Like, what do I do? Take it from me, a time management coach. You do not have to be productive every single minute of your day. Not now, not ever. We need downtime. We need time to just let our mind wander, to stare out the window and just breathe. What's tough about working from home is that, yes, the lines between home and work are super blurry or non-existent. Where you used to have a physical commute to transition into work mode, your walk from your bedroom to the kitchen table just isn't the same thing. Three things you can try here. First, Set a specific work start time and end time. Many of you will have this set for you by your supervisors or your remote work policy. But if you're self-managing as a business owner or otherwise, decide when you'll work and when you won't, and then stick to it. Second, create a startup and shutdown routine. This is probably the tip I've given the most in the last two weeks. When you don't have that commute or your typical office routine, you have to DIY it. And that looks like creating a short routine, just a few steps, that signals to your brain that it's time to get down to business. I talked about the startup and shutdown routine back in episode five, which was all about three ways to create more structure in your workday. And of course, the startup and shutdown routine made an appearance in episode 17, which was all about the five routines you need in your life right now. So it's clear that a startup and a shutdown routine are ones that you don't want to miss. So a startup routine while working from home could look like, one, make a fresh cup of coffee. Two, turn off the TV. Three, light my favorite candle. Four, open laptop. Five, scan calendar for meetings. Six, choose top priority for the day and go. (laughs) A shutdown routine could look like, okay, it's 4.30. One, final email scan. Two, save any current projects. Three, close all the tabs. And yes, I'm not kidding. Really close the tabs. Four, close laptop. Five, put it away. It really doesn't have to be anything complicated, but it's doing the same steps each time and then committing to shutting down and walking away when you're done instead of letting work bleed into working in front of the TV or working from bed. Please, please don't work from bed. That brings me to the third thing you can try when everything is blending together into a work-life blob. When deciding where you'll work, If you can create a separate space that's just for work, that's your best bet. And I know that's not always possible because space can be an issue, but if you're able to, set up an area that is dedicated just for work so you can separate your work mindset from your home mindset with an environmental cue. 
Okay, next question. This one came from a good friend of mine. She said, I feel like I'm taking fewer breaks than I did when I worked in an office. At the office, there were natural interruptions like walking down the hall to refill my water cup or walking to another building or something like that. Now, I don't really have anything like that. And I feel like I'm supposed to be available for my team so I can't just go take a walk or something like I would have in the past. Yeah, breaks while working from home are hard, especially if you have a lot of uninterrupted work time at your disposal. If you're working from home with kids, then it's a different story and you're probably interrupted way more than you'd like. But if you're in the camp of folks that is almost afraid to step away from their laptop during working hours in case someone needs something, then this answer is for you. First, get crystal clear on the expectations that your supervisor or HR department or whoever has for your communication protocol and response time. It's entirely possible that there is zero expectation that you respond to every message immediately and that you do, in fact, have the opportunity and ability to step away from your laptop a few times during the day. But without an understanding of the expectations, you won't know. So ask. Find out what words like reasonable really mean to your boss, because that can mean anywhere from 24 hours to 20 minutes. I might have mentioned before that in a previous career, I had a boss that required me to respond to every single one of his emails within five minutes with, okay, got it, at a bare minimum. If five minutes passed without a response, I got a phone call. Was I on edge all the time, constantly checking my email? Oh yeah, you bet. (laughs) But the difference is that my boss was very clear about his expectations, so I knew what was expected of me. Now, if your boss does have clearly communicated expectations that you respond within five minutes to each communication, it's up to you to decide whether you can or want to push back based on your situation at home. So after getting crystal clear on the expectations surrounding communication, My second recommendation here is to schedule your email time, like put it on your calendar. I am a huge proponent of scheduling specific times to check email or Slack or messaging during the day so you don't feel like you're in a reactive response mode 24-7. I'll have to do an entirely separate episode on things like email and Slack and all of the communication tools we have now, but in a nutshell, if you have your email open all day, It's very, very difficult to stop yourself from checking it as it comes in, which then interrupts whatever you're doing at the moment and kills your flow. Studies show that American knowledge workers, aka anybody who sits behind a computer all day, are interrupted every 40 seconds with a notification of some sort. And when you consider that it can take almost 30 minutes to regain focus after being interrupted, it's a wonder we get anything done. Let me say that one more time. We're interrupted almost every 40 seconds with a notification of some sort. And it takes almost 30 minutes to regain focus after being interrupted. So if you want to try out email scheduling... 10, 2, and 4, and maybe one more time in the evening are a good start. 
Then once you've gotten used to checking email only three to four times a day in chunks, bump it down to two check-in times, maybe 11 and four for 30 minutes each and see what happens to your focus. Just like most time management tips, this won't work for everyone. When I was a congressional scheduler, monitoring email was literally 80% of my whole job because my congressman's entire schedule could go up in flames at a moment's notice based on vote emails from the WIPS office. So here's the third point for the case of the disappearing breaks. Schedule your breaks. Again, literally decide when you're going to take a break and put it in your calendar at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week if you're able to choose a consistent time of day. This takes me back to when I worked at J. Crew in college. At the beginning of every single shift, I had a quick meeting with my boss and we mapped out when exactly I would take my 15 minute break. So I knew in advance when my break would be. My recommendation for you, try to take a break around 2.55. Studies have shown that's the lowest energy point for most workers, so use that afternoon time to take a walk, grab a snack, or play a game. Another idea to consider, especially if for some reason taking breaks isn't allowed or you have to report every minute of your time during your eight-hour workday, which I've learned is pretty common for many new remote workers. Consider scheduling a meeting with a trusted coworker or industry friend during which you both agree to use it as a break. Either take your cell phone with you for a walk around the neighborhood while you chat about something work-related or don't. That way, there's something blocked on your calendar that looks purposeful. And I'm not saying block out a three-hour meeting that you use for a break. Be realistic, 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour. That way, there's something blocked on your calendar that looks purposeful. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, in all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, 
and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Okay, so some of you might be thinking, isn't that stealing time from the company? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I think it depends on the culture of your organization and the expectations that have been set for you. Just take a moment to think about how you used to take breaks at your workplace. Taking a quick walk, checking Instagram on your phone real quick, grabbing a cup of coffee and having a chat in the break room, making a personal call. Would you consider that stealing time from the company? I'm not advocating you break rules, but I am advocating that you take breaks during the day, even if you have to be creative in order to take them. Okay, next question. Is there such thing as decision fatigue? Because I think I've got it. Since this whole quarantine thing started, it's been one decision after another to the point I didn't even know I was making decisions. Answer? Oh, yes, my friend, there is most definitely such a thing as decision fatigue, and you're probably feeling it right now because very few of our default modes are still in operation. You'd be surprised at just how much of our life is driven by routine. Even my friends who say they hate routine and just want to be spontaneous have hidden not-so-obvious routines in their lives. They may not stop for coffee at the same spot every day on the way to work, but they're definitely stopping for coffee somewhere. When our lives are turned upside down, most of our normal routines totally go out the window, especially right now when we're dealing with such a drastic change in our environment. Routines let us put ourselves on autopilot because we don't really have to think about what's next. The decision was made a long time ago how we'd do a certain thing, what route we'd take to work, where we'd put our stapler on our desk, or how we'd prep for meetings. Now we're having to decide in the moment how we're going to do life. We don't have our routines to fall back on, and we're feeling it. So the solution here? Be thoughtful. Design new routines and start putting them into motion. Back in episode 17, I dedicated an entire episode to the five must-have routines you need in your life right now. So the solution here, be thoughtful, design your new routines, and start putting them into motion. Back in episode 17, I dedicated an entire show to the five must-have routines you need in your life right now. You can head over and listen to that but I'll give you four quick and dirty steps for designing a new routine. First, write out each step that you want to include in your routine. Two, post it where you'll see it. Three, do each step. Four, repeat. We've already covered designing a startup and shutdown routine, so you can take it from there and decide what other routines you'd like to create. If you sit down to start writing out your new routines and you find that you're totally coming up blank, here's what worked for me. Last week, I moved Camilla, Penelope, our dog, 
and myself to my parents' house while Scott is working out of town for an extended period of time. My routines were totally out of whack just from being in a different environment. Sure, this is the house I grew up in, but parenting a 14-month-old, running a business, and recording a podcast is something I'd never done before from my childhood bedroom. One thing that helped me transition was jotting down ideas for what I'd like to include in routines on a legal pad as I thought of them. If it's something I want to do daily, I'll write a D next to it. Weekly, I'll write a W. And then I thought through, okay, what time of day does it make sense to do each thing? And how does this fit in with Camilla's nap, snack, and meal schedule? So the short answer to this question, yes. Decision fatigue is a thing and creating routines is the best way to counteract it. Okay, next question. I was laid off. Or, I'm a business owner who can't really do my work virtually. That means I have a ton of free time on my hands and I don't know where to start. I've already watched all of Netflix, so what do I do now? This is tough because in some ways the possibilities are endless. And on the other hand, you're probably pretty bummed, worried, maybe even scared about the future, so you don't really feel like doing much. And understandably so, you have every right to watch all of Tiger King three times start to finish. This is certainly not where I'm going to tell you that if you don't walk away from this quarantine stay-at-home shelter-in-place situation with a side hustle, speaking a new language, or 20 pounds lighter, then you failed. Absolutely not. But if boredom is starting to get the best of you, I'd encourage you to find some way to get creative. Whether that's doodling, journaling, brainstorming, just let things flow for a bit and see where it takes you. Turn off the TV for a little while and put on some music. Think the thoughts and feel the feelings. Chances are you'll find some inspiration for what to do next. You might remember there's something you wanted to learn and you'll head off to Britain Co.'s website to take a craft course. Or you'll remember that there was this book you bought and never read. Give yourself the space to do what you want to do. If you're a business owner, like a wedding photographer who can't shoot weddings right now, or an event planner with lots of postponed events, this could be a great time to update your website, refresh your content, take an online course, or play around with some new methods. Not saying you have to do any of that, but there's some options. Just make a list of what you think you'd like to do, pick something, and roll with it. Whatever your circumstance, if you find yourself with an abundance of time, don't feel pressured to do all the things. It's okay to just be. Next up, the flip side of that question. Anna, I'm struggling. I thought I was stretched for time before, but now I'm totally starved. I've got young kids at home. I'm trying to keep them entertained and alive. I'm trying to work from home. I'm trying to cook, clean, and keep everything going, but I'm so tired and I can't do it all. I'm so jealous of the kidless people who are able to use this time to revamp their websites and build new products. How do I get through this? My answer, one day at a time, one thing at a time. Before moving in with my parents last week, that was my life. From the moment I woke up to the moment my head hit the pillow exhausted, I was moving nonstop. 
working, caring for Camilla, working, caring for Camilla alone while my husband worked out of town. To keep my time management coaching business and this podcast moving forward, I had to strip away every single non-essential piece of life and work, get back to the basics in every way possible, and kind of do the bare minimum. And I started each day with one single priority for my business, not three or five, but one. And if I got that one thing done early in the day, then awesome. I can do something else from the list. But once the one thing was done, the pressure was off. And so that's what I encourage you to do is to find any way possible to get back to the basics, do the bare minimum, and relieve the pressure you're feeling. A few more things to consider. Don't give up your weekly planning sessions just because we're staying at home. Create space for yourself to meal plan. Look ahead at any work deadlines or homeschool lessons and try to map out the week in advance or even just the next two to three days. But I'll tell you that deciding in advance what you'll have for dinner makes grocery orders or store stockups so much easier and you'll always have an answer for what's for dinner. And you won't have to think about it or scramble to pull something together when you're exhausted at 7 p.m. and everyone's hungry. You can get through this. It will not be easy. But try to keep things as simple as possible for yourself until we get to the other side. This is not the time to be a hero and try to do all the things and win quarantine. If you feel safe having a family member who's been staying at home move in with you, that can be an option. Me and Camilla, as well as my parents, had all spent two weeks staying at home, so I felt confident about safely making the move to live with them and get some much-needed help. And now, our last question and one of the most common. What do I do now with all of those plans I made and goals that I set? I feel like I don't know what's next or how to set deadlines or milestones. Friend, I feel you. This is tough. We don't know what the future holds for us here. I've had to stop reading the news late at night because it seems like every day there's some new something that gives me anxiety or causes me to worry about the future and what it's going to look like for our businesses and for our communities and for our families. Setting goals or sticking to deadlines for goals you've already set might feel daunting or even pointless. Or you might feel completely unaffected and you're still tracking on your goals and plans, which if that is the case, that is awesome for you. But if you're not feeling the deadlines, that's okay too. My accountability partner, Katie, and I email each other just about every week with what we're working on, our key action items, and when we plan to complete them. And we've both decided to toss the deadlines for now and just do what we can. If you're an Enneagram 3, like me, and you live for goals, and you're in a tailspin about how to adapt and adjust, consider setting mini goals just for the week. Little by little progress is better than no progress at all. But right now, no progress at all is also completely okay if it means you're taking care of yourself. Y'all, <laughs> this is hard for so many reasons. 
but we can get through this together. And I hope that sharing these frequently asked questions and answers are helpful to you as you're navigating this weird time. For many of us, we're moving into week four. I feel like week one was a shock to us. It just didn't seem real. And I don't know about you, but I totally thought it might last two weeks and then we'd move on with life. And then week two felt kind of like denial in a way. This is when we all made jokes and had lots of virtual happy hours and laughed through the craziness of it all. Last week, week three, was the hardest. Jobs were lost, either your own or someone you know. The reality started to set in, especially with announcements that this is going to take a lot longer than we all expected from the get-go. This episode is going live on Monday of week four. And I'm not sure what this week holds for us, but I'm hoping for hope. And I'm hoping that we're all starting to settle into our new routines. And I've tried to avoid this ubiquitous phrase, but settling into our new normal. You know, I spent a large chunk of my career working in crisis communications. In Louisiana, we all know hurricanes. We've been affected by them in so many ways, and we all have a hurricane story of some sort. And while we were rebuilding or recovering, life was going on as usual in other parts of the country. Nothing was different. Our crisis was localized, and most people in other states just didn't get it. This is so different because everyone gets it. And it's something that can unite us in our shared struggle. So give yourself grace. Give your neighbor grace. We're all processing and dealing with this in our own unique and personal way. We might not know what the future holds, but we can take this one day at a time. One thing at a time. We can connect with our why to stay motivated, and we can take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. That's all for this first edition of Ask Anna. I'd love to know what you thought about this episode. Was this Q&A helpful for you? Are there any questions you have that I didn't answer? Two ways to send me your questions because I would love to hear them. First, you can go follow me on Instagram at Anna D. Cornick, and send me a DM with your question. Second option, head over to the private It's About Time podcast community on Facebook and post it in the discussion. You can join us by going straight to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community. And if you'd like to read through my answers to these common questions, You can find each of these seven questions with my answers over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 23. You'll also be able to download a copy of my totally free mini guide to time management in tough times featuring six steps to setting an intention, prioritizing, and planning your day, plus my favorite tool for keeping my priorities in check as well as a six-minute self-care routine for even the most time-stretched work-from-home warrior. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay well, take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.